And good morning to you again. I'm Dave Mitchell, and uh, glad to be uh, serving together with you here at Calvary Church, and look forward to a great worship. Isn't that great to have uh, the combination of our Hispanic congregation as well as our English-speaking serving together? It's kind of a nice, uh, nice new good beat and vibe. Uh, you almost feel like you could dance to it, and so I like that. So, not that I dance. I don't know the first thing about it, but uh, it still made me think that, and so it's, that's a good thing. Anyways, we're glad to have you with us, and uh, we welcome you. We are in a book called Ephesians. It is Paul's letter to a group of people that lived in what we today call Turkey. And uh, it, in those days, was referred to as Asia Minor. And this little town of Ephesians, uh, where Ephesus, where the Ephesians lived, and he wrote this great uh, letter to them, six chapters. We're looking at the first three chapters, and then we'll come back to the last three chapters a little bit later in the spring. But this morning, I'd like to address a topic that really goes back many, many years. I want to take you back in time to an era of 1835. I know it sounds a little antiquated for a lot of us here in the room, but that's what God is leading us to at this point. There's a woman by the name of Charlotte Elliott, and I was struck by her story. I just read about it this last week and became more familiar with it. Charlotte Elliott is one who had... Uh, come to faith in Christ a little bit later in life. And here she is, about in her 40s, and she has uh, been struck by this disease where she is greatly incapacitated and really can't do much of anything. She feels very physically restrained. Her brother, who is a pastor, was in the process of trying to build up a college to minister to the young women of poor preachers. She saw that as a great vision as well. But she said to herself, I can't do a thing to help my brother as he was raising money to support him. And she felt very depressed, very discouraged. She felt downcast and rejected, sort of like the UCLA Bruins yesterday. She sort of felt, she sort of felt, what? You, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Should we take a, a vote on keeping me, or I don't know. So, uh, sorry, sorry. I, I knew I was running a risk there to throw that in, because it's a wonderful story, and I just sort of blew it. But, um, but I love Charlotte Elliott, as uh, she, she was in a point where she had really lost heart. She self-proclaimed herself as being an outcast, because she physically couldn't do all she wants to do. And many of us, we reach points where we're sort of imprisoned by something. We're sort of held back and we're bound to lose heart over the condition of our lives. And for some of us, it might be physical. For some of us, it might be emotional. For some of us, it might be financial. It may be matters of employment. It may be the school I want to get into, but I can't. It may be the grades that I need to get, but I seem to always fall short. I know throughout my college education, I was constantly losing heart because I couldn't quite get the grades I want. And then I had a professor, as you might have heard me say before, who told me that I'm not cut out for ministry because I didn't get a, an, an A in his class, in his theology class at Westmont College. We have these moments where we lose heart. And this is what Charlotte Elliott wrote about her situation. I wanted you to read her wonderful words. She says, My Heavenly Father knows, and He alone, what it is, day after day and hour after hour, to fight against bodily feelings of almost overpowering weakness and languor 
and exhaustion. To resolve as he enables me to do, to not to yield to the slothfulness, the depression, the irritability such as a body causes me to long to indulge. But to rise every morning determined on taking this for my motto. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Well, it was out of that experience, she ran into a Swiss evangelist. His name is Cesar Milan. Cesar Milan said to Charlotte Elliott, you need to come to grips with the fact that this is the way that God has made you and that he accepts you just as you are. Well, after he said those words, she wrote down a poem. And that poem is a song that was found, remember this? It's a hymnal. Um, We used to use these. We were codependent on hymnals in our church. And she wrote a song called, Just As I Am Without One Plea. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. It was out of her depression out of losing heart, out of that incapacity to do what she wants to do, that God put on her heart a hymn that Billy Graham, I suspect that there will be thousands, if not millions of people who are saved in heaven when we get there to join them, who through the hearing of Just As I Am Without One Plea came forward to receive Christ as their Savior. That's the way God loves to work. He takes us through those experiences of life when we're about bound to lose heart, and it brings something wonderful out of it. I'm going to tell you, the great prayer that Paul prayed was a prayer that we not lose heart. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, actually beginning in verse 13. He says, Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses that knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond that all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this morning, that is a prayer to help us to not lose heart. God has said repeatedly in his word not to lose heart. I want to just show you some of the verses that say that. We are vulnerable to losing heart, for example... He says in Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We also read again by Jesus. He says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that of all the times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And that's why Paul then says in Ephesians 3.13, Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. 
And then he breaks into this prayer. Now he is concerned. He's sitting in a prison cell. He is unjustly held in a prison cell. So he writes to the Ephesians and he says, I know that you are suffering along with me. You don't understand why I am unjustly in a prison cell. I don't want you to lose heart at my suffering. And so I want you for this reason. So for this reason, I give you a prayer to help the Ephesians, to help the Calvary people of today to not lose heart. Here's the prayer to pray. I'm going to tell you stories of how this relates to us. First of all, how do we approach God when we come before God so that we don't lose heart? A couple of things that I notice in this. Pray with a spirit of humility and surrender. Paul gets on his knees. Now, Charlotte Elliott didn't like her, her physical condition, but in her heart she became humble before God. I don't always like the conditions of my life. I don't always like the things that are going on in my life. Frankly, candidly, I'm not always thrilled about some things I'm concerned about for Calvary Church. I have such a high ideal of what I believe God should be doing. I want Him to do more. And sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. But you go before God and say, God, I don't understand all this, but I'm going to come to you on my knees and humble and surrender myself to you because I don't have all the answers, but you do. And then you pray with a spirit of expectation and faith. He says, I come before the Father. Now, that when I, say, I come before the Father, it gives me a spirit of expectation. Not all of us have earthly fathers that give us a spirit of expectation. I know when my daughters come to me, Jessica and Kirsty, and they ask me for something. The other day I had to go over and replace the garbage disposal in Jessica's house. So she sends me a text, the garbage disposal was leaking. Can you help? When she asked me that question, she had an expectation that I would do something about it. And so on a Friday, Joy and I, it took both of us five hours to replace the garbage disposal under her sink. Don't ask me to replace yours. <laughs> Once in a lifetime is enough, especially when it doesn't fit and you have to take it back. And ugh. Anyways, don't get me going. Don't get me going. Okay. But when you come to your father, you come with a spirit of expectation. Let me illustrate that about a pastor. You know, pastors, we, we are burdened by wanting to have perfect families. Well, that was how this pastor felt. But he had a 15-year-old daughter. If you're 15 here and you have children who are 15, you have grandchildren who are 15, you may be going through some of the great struggles of life. And this dad was. This pastor was. And his daughter was so rebellious to him. And they tried to do all that they can. And she even threw it back in her face. She said one time, it's because you're so nice that I want to rebel against you. I go, oh, man, that's, that's tough. And one time she just left house, and she didn't come back for a couple of nights. And her dad was standing at the plate glass window of the living room, looking out, waiting for her to come back. And he says, I was furious with her. I was so angry that she would leave me like this. And if you're a 15-year-old, you can't appreciate how much, how burdened we are for you when we want the very best for you and you do things that are rebellion against your parents. That grieves us greatly. We can be very frustrated. But what I love about this dad is that he finally, as he looked out the window, there, lo and behold, she came walking home, this 15-year-old. And when he saw her, his anger went away. And this is what he wrote. I want you to read his words. Yet I must tell you, when my daughter came home that night, or rather the next morning, 
I wanted nothing more than to take her into my arms, to love her, to tell her I wanted the best for her. I was a helpless, lovesick father. That's why the Apostle Paul says to us, you go before your father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father. And the more we know about God, the more we understand he is a lovesick father who does want the best for us. And if we've rebelled, even if we've turned our back on him, God still says, I want the best for you. And although we see pictures of God being angry in the Old Testament, there are so many beautiful pictures of God being a lovesick father who welcomes us to himself. So Paul says, approach God with humility and surrender, but with a spirit of expectation and faith that he is a lovesick father that wants the best. And then you come before him and begin to make a request. We come before the father and Paul's request, if I just... I'm overly simplifying this little text that he's given to us. We come and we ask him to be strengthened with power according to his riches. We ask for that according to his riches. This is what the text says. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. God, I am going through this time. I feel like I'm losing heart. I need your strength in the inner man according to your riches. Now, this is a wonderful phrase that is often built upon. He didn't say, I want you to give out of your riches. I want according to your riches. For example, let's say my daughter came to me again and says, Dad, I need some money. I want you to give to me out of your wealth, such as it is. Out of your wealth. Well, I'd pull my wallet out and I'd give her a $5 bill and it says, don't spend it in the same spot. But if Jessica came to me and says, Dad, I want you to give to me according to your wealth, then that's not based upon what kind of bills I have in my wallet. I would have to go back and I would have to calculate, well, how much is my home worth? How much are my cars worth? How much is my motorcycle still worth? And I would have to add up my bank accounts and have to add up retirement. And, and, and every, I would have to have a sum total of all that I have. And then he, and she would say, give me according to all that you have not out of that which you currently have in your wallet. That's a much bigger number. God, I want to have according to all of your riches, not out of your riches. Let me give you an illustration. One of the, the probably, here we go again, probably the best NFL team today is the New England Patriots. Oh, okay, all right. I thought you were going to throw a hymnal at me. Uh, I happened, Joy and I were, had the privilege to go back there. Matthew Slater invited us back and his lovely wife Shazad and, and their brand new little baby boy Jeremiah Ray. And so what a sweet family. And so we had a great time. And some of you have heard me share a little bit about that. And we had the privilege to go afterwards into the dining room where the captains meet. Matthew is a captain. They're playing tonight. Uh, but Matthew's a captain on the team, and so we had in the dining room, and, and there was Tom Brady over there, my good friend Tom Brady and I had dinner together, and, and uh, Rob Gronkowski was in there, and, and some of the other players. And one of the players that I had a privilege to meet was Nate Solder. Nate Solder was playing, and he's injured now, so he's out for the season. But Nate Solder, he was the biggest guy on the team. He was so tall, so giant. He's a, this uh, uh, tight end that plays for the Patriots. But he is a gentle, humble man of God. 
He and his wife lead Bible studies in their home. And here's Nate Solder. What a godly guy. What struck me about Nate Solder is Joey pulled up on the Patriots app just the other day. A video of him speaking about his little son by the name of Hudson. This is Hudson. Yeah, isn't he cute as could be? Tough like my dad is his little t-shirt there. Well, little Hudson has a cancerous tumor on his kidneys. It's called, I think, the Wilms disease or something like that. And so they're going through the biggest challenge of their lives, uh, Nate and his wife, Lexi. And it's a huge thing. And they had this time where he stood before players, Matthew Slater sitting on the front row and other players out there, and he spoke about this situation of his son. And he's spoken of it in a way that is profound for the cause of Jesus Christ. Here's one of his tweets. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And he quotes Romans 12.9. Here's, I took this a picture off of his Facebook just this last week. On his Facebook, it might be a little bit hard to read. The top part, it's a quote of Tim Keller, this great pastor in New York City. And if I can bend over, I'll be able to read. By praying with friends and others... Oh, it's better up there. By praying with friends and others, you will be able to hear and see facets of Jesus that you have not yet perceived. That's what he posts on his Facebook when he found out that little Hudson has a tumor. And then here's little Hudson in the hospital room. Thank you, everyone I support. That's for the disease, J-A-F. God is better than we can imagine. And then he said this to the folks that gathered before him. Maybe part of our purpose that a brand new child getting cancer was because tomorrow somebody else will receive the exact same news. Maybe knowing someone else is going through this same thing, you can be a source of comfort and strength. What caught my attention about Nate Solder was, number one, having met him. He wouldn't know me you know, now, but what a gentle man to get to know him and how kind he was there even when I got his number wrong, and he was very gracious. But now going through perhaps the most difficult thing any parent would ever go through, for your son to have that cancer. And in the midst of it, the strength of God, to ask God for strength and to be a display of the grace of Jesus to others that says, God's going to use this through me to reach other people. That's Nate Solder. That doesn't just happen because you just sort of like... You know, get strong inside. That happens because you pray a prayer that says, God, I don't want to lose heart in the most difficult time of my life where, God, your strength is going to enable me to be your representative to comfort and strength other people. That is what Paul is talking about when he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. It doesn't take the cancer away. It didn't heal the body of Charlotte Elliott. But it gives strength in the inner man that causes me to go through it in a way that I don't lose heart. The second thing I noticed about this is to ask him to know and experience the fullness of Christ's love. Paul says, ask him for strength according to his riches, then ask and bathe yourself in the love of Jesus Christ. This great phrase, and we could spend all hours on this. Let me go through it and read it again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I want to be filled up with all the fullness of God when I go through times of imprisonment and being held back or disease or financial hardships or educational setbacks. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. And so I bathe myself in the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Jesus Christ, Paul says. And that carries me. I love these, these four words. Let's think about what does it mean, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Here's how I look at it. The breadth of Christ's love, I can never wander outside of it. It's too wide. The length of Christ's love, I can never get ahead of it. Because it's longer than I am, no matter how fast I run. The height of His love, I will always be covered of it, because there's no place I can't go that He isn't already there. And the depth of His love, I can never run out of His love. I can never run out. Our daughter, Kirstie, and her husband, Josiah, are in Brazil right now. And it struck me because I remember a story that comes out of a little village outside of Rio de Janeiro, sort of where they are. And it's a story of a mom, her name is Maria, and her daughter, Christina. Maria lived in this little village, a one-room, kind of a mud hut. They had pallets on either side for their beds and a base, wash basin and a wood-fired stove. The dad had left them long ago, and so Maria's a single mom trying to raise this little girl, and as Christina grew up, she tried to do her very best to help her to grow up well. Well, Christina was tantalized by Rio de Janeiro, thinking, in the big city is where I can find true life, because this little village living just, just isn't cut out for me. And so, again, in her teen years, she went off thinking she knows better than mom, as hard as Maria had worked to help little Christina grow up well. And when Maria realized that Christina had left, she herself began the journey to Rio de Janeiro to somehow hopefully find her daughter, that lovesick mom going after that teenage girl. And as she left and she entered into Rio de Janeiro on the bus, she got off the bus and there was a photo booth there. And remember those photo booths that used to be, and I think they're still out there, you put the coin in and it prints out like four pictures at a time as you sit there behind the little camera. And she took all the change she had, she put it in that photo booth, and she printed out, I don't know how many, just maybe 50 or 60 pictures of herself and wrote on the back. And then she went every place she could find that she could go, to bars, to hotels, to drugstores, to gas stations, to phone booths. And she'd stick her picture on all those locations. And finally she was just exhausted and ran out of pictures, didn't know where else to go, didn't know what else to do. So she headed home. A few weeks later, Christina, her daughter, was climbing down the stairs of a hotel. She's very distraught. She had lost heart because of the choices that she had made. And as she walked into the hotel lobby, on the lobby mirror, she saw a picture of her mother of all things. So she pulls off the picture of her mom. This is like one of these miracles of God. She pulls off the picture. Lo and behold, her mother, she turns it over and her mother had written on the back side of that little photo, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. To me, that is a picture of the love of Jesus Christ. He doesn't dismiss rebellion against him. 
but he does offer a breadth and length and depth and height of love that we can never possibly comprehend. In fact, Paul says it's incomprehensible. The love that Jesus has, it's so much greater than we could ever, ever comprehend. But it is there for those of us who turn to him in the depth of our own despair like Charlotte Elliott. We come and we say, God, accept me just as I am. And he does as God ministers to us in powerful ways. And so Jesus Christ gives us this prayer through the Apostle Paul and the words of his love come to us so that we can trust him to do more than we could ever ask or think. And I love this conclusion, this little benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And he's only halfway through the book, but he says, I feel like I've said it all. This is sort of his benediction to the whole book, but he's halfway done. Sort of like a message when the pastor says, and in conclusion, they go on for another, you know, half an hour. That's kind of where he's at. And so he brings this beautiful crescendo of of a benediction to ask for more beyond all that you could ask or think. Uh, Eric referenced it. I want to show you what happens when we do things better together. It goes beyond all that we could ask or think. As he's mentioned this last week, and here's some pictures of the turkeys, including Matt Davis. There are 21 turkeys right there that were were used. We love Matt. I mean, good grief. We, We have fun together as a staff. He would... No. Anyways, there are the turkeys that are being... Cook, this is this last Wednesday, just the day before Thanksgiving. And what a tremendous and wonderful team of people that gathered together to allow us to cook and to prepare. We had a team in the morning, a team in the afternoon, and a cleanup team in the evening. They gathered together to do all of these meals. And and the powerful thing is this. Here are the stats that uh, I want you to hear about that we can do beyond all that we ask or think more than, and they are these. These folks gathered together. 200 meals to the Village of Hope of the Rescue Mission. 100 meals to Skid Row Church down in downtown L.A. 90 meals that Armando took down to Tijuana in uh, the orphanage down there. So we appreciate that. 150 meals to KidWorks downtown L.A. We're... Uh, our new church plan is going to be. And then 200 to Lake Diane. Victor Estrada, who plays up here, is just going to be coming back up. 200 meals to Lake Diane, right across the street from Calvary Church, provided. According to my calculation, that's 740 meals that were prepared by people working better together beyond all that we could ever ask or think. And that's what God loves to do. And I ask for your indulgence of one last story. Ezra's Hands. This is our daughter Jessica's website and her ministry. She is the CEO of Ezra Hands, and she she does everything else as well. Um, And so I want to share just briefly, I've talked about this before, and some of you are beginning to think right now, isn't that rather self-indulgent to have your own daughter's nonprofit there on the screen and sort of publicize it in this way? And and I would say, yeah, you're right. Uh, That would be correct. But what I love about this is just a couple of weeks ago, uh, as Ezra, Ezra Hands provides ministry to 
to older siblings who are taking care of younger siblings. They call them misters. It's the older sister often who's taking care of younger siblings because mom's in jail and dad's nowhere to be found. And there's one family that she's caring for, about seven kids all together, taking Christmas presents this Christmas as she does every year. And there's like three or four dads and one mom, and they're all gone. So she provides clothing and housing and and transportation to soccer games and things like that. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Ezra, uh, uh, Jessica said, I was kind of ro- low on, she was running low on funds for Ezra's hands. And she said, so I said, God, I need $2,000. That's what I need, $2,000. And she said, the next day, I got a check in the mail for $2,000. It's like, wow, these are little gifts to God. And I said, Jessica, if only it asked for $10,000. But that is beyond all we ask or think of what God loves to do to surprise us with those things that he knows that we need. And so when you are fearful of losing heart, come before the Father a lovesick father, in humility but expectation. Ask for the strength. Bathe yourself and accept the love of Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what you've become, go to Him and He will accept you so that He can do beyond all that we ask or think in the miracle of His power that goes beyond our comprehension. Never lose heart. Now, we've got some folks that know this journey, or the spiritual journey of becoming more like Jesus Christ. In fact, we'd like for you to hear their stories of testimony of how God has captured them through the love of Jesus Christ, where they have bathed themselves in that same love, the height, the depth, the, the breadth, and the length of Christ's love, and they have accepted Him as their personal Savior. And so we are going to see some of them be baptized now from her Hispanic congregation. We're going to have folks, and then from the English side as well. But to be very clear, baptism is not a means by which we gain salvation. Baptism is simply the testimony that God has already given me salvation. And I so identify myself with Jesus Christ. As Jesus was baptized, I am in obedience to His call for all of His disciples to be baptized. Everybody who has ever put their faith and trust in Jesus is called to be baptized as an outward testimony of the inward faith that they have in Christ. And so we're delighted to have these folks. Victor Beyond, Victor is going to come up here and uh, have a first uh, team of people that will be baptized, and I'll lead the others as well. So let's take our attention up here as Victor leads us. We have um, the joy in our hearts that we are gathered here this morning to uh, rejoice and celebrate with our brothers and sisters who have made this decision uh, to give a public testimony through baptism. Pásale, hermano. So the first four that we're going to baptize are going to give a brief testimony in Spanish, and then I will not translate, but I will just give a, a, a quick uh, and, and brief um, uh, summary of what they have shared. Uh, 
Pásale, hermano, por favor. Con cuidado. Por favor, díganos su nombre y comparta su testimonio. Mi nombre es Javier González. Recibo Jesús Cristo en el 2013. Tengo dos años viniendo a la, a la, a la, al Calvario. Hace dos semanas me hice miembro de esta iglesia. Ahora me es, estoy bautizando porque quiero y, y demostrar lo que está paso pasado en, el, en mi corazón y vida soy, soy una nueva creación en Cristo, lo viejo y pasado y, y en, empiezo una nueva vida en el en, en creación de Dios por mi salvación. Gloria a Dios. His name is Javier Gonzalez, and he came to the Lord in 2013. So he has a couple of years now uh, uh, coming to Calvary, and he just is here to give testimony that because of Christ, he is a new creation. Entonces, hermano, usted ha aceptado a Jesús como su único Salvador, ¿verdad? Sí. Y promete seguirlo sobre todas las cosas. Sí. Entonces lo bautizo en el nombre del Padre, puede bajar, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Amén. Hasta abajo. Ya. careful to do some back uh, injuries. She can dive in. <laughs> Not really. Por favor, dinos tu nombre y comparte tu testimonio. Buenos días, hermanos. Mi nombre es Carla. Vine al Señor hace dos meses, um, pero creo que desde niña Dios tenía algo especial para mí en mi corazón y hace dos meses me llamó a servirle. Y estoy aquí para afirmar mi fe en el Señor y lo maravilloso que Él es. Eh, mi tía oró mucho por mí y su familia y estoy muy agradecida por eso porque ha cambiado mi vida tanto desde que acepté al Señor y estoy muy emocionada. I'm very excited to be here. And I don't know what else to say. I'm just so happy. <laughs> And truly, when we come to the Lord, we often are at a loss of words. She accepted the Lord two months ago, but she knows and can recognize that God has just been after her since her childhood. And she's so thankful for the people that have prayed in her life and who have brought her here to this day. 
And she doesn't know what else to say. She's so happy. Entonces, Carla, promete seguir a Jesús sobre todas las cosas por eso tu vida. Estoy segura que quiero seguir al Señor y orar todos los días de mi vida. En nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Díganos su nombre y comparta su testimonio. Este, buenos días, hermanos. Mi nombre es María Remedios Mondragón. Estoy aquí para recibir a Dios, para dar testimonio de mi fe, para bautizarme y reafirmar mi fe en Él y recibir los caminos de Dios para toda mi vida, para honra de Dios para su, su honra y su gloria y dar las gracias a mi hijo y a mi nuera que me ayudaron a tomar esta decisión y llenar los caminos de Dios. Estoy muy contenta. Mi corazón no me cabe en el pecho de poder recibir a Dios, a, a Dios nuestro Señor y Jesucristo y entregarme a Él para toda mi vida. Gracias. Her name is Maria, and she's expressing that her heart barely fits in her chest, that she is so overwhelmed. She is so grateful to the Lord for what He has done in her life. She loves and appreciates her son, and daughter-in-law, their family, who have contributed to her being here today. And so she just wants to live for Christ and serve Him the rest of her life and wants to thank Him um, uh, with this testimony of being baptized in His name. Bueno, hermano. Y la voy a inclinar hacia atrás. Hermano, usted... Eh, promete seguir a Jesús el resto de su vida sobre todas las cosas sí, bueno, sí la bautizo en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo hacia atrás hermanos sí. ahí le van a ayudar a la salida ok Hermano, por favor, dinos tu nombre y comparte tu, tu testimonio. Ah, buenos días, hermanos. Mi nombre es Carlos Vargas. Y con el bautizo, yo reafirmo mi fe en Cristo, nuestro Señor. Sí, 
¿Quieres decir algo más? No, ya es todo. <risa> bueno, ok. Well, basically, now that I'm choked up, uh, Carlos is obviously also very overwhelmed, and today he just wants to reaffirm and testify for the miracle of new life that God has given him through Jesus Christ. Hermano, permite saber que sí sobre todas las cosas de tu vida. Te bautizo en nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Will you give us your name? We love. We love Victor. I didn't make uh, your associate pastor over at Hispanic congregation over there. And his lovely bride, Armida. I want to say Bustamante, but beyond now, they married a number of years That's ago. That's what happened. Yeah. So we're excited for you. Thank you for your good Blessed work. Blessed to be here. Thank it's you. Good to have you a part of it. And we have three folks from our English side who are going to be baptized as well to uh, give you a testimony of their faith in Jesus Christ. And first of all, we have Hope. Hope, tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. Hello, my name is Hope Salazar, and I want to share my testimony with all of you. Though I was brought up in a Mormon home, I never really understood the gospel until a friend introduced me to Calvary Church. It was around the time of middle school when I started to attend the Hispanic service on Sundays. I heard and understood the gospel in the youth classes that were held on Friday nights. As I kept attending the youth classes, I noticed that I felt at peace with myself and I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. I became aware of my sin, I had no belief in myself, and that my only faith was to follow Jesus Christ. As that, at that time, I prayed and I asked God to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. I am glad that I am a Christian. I am being baptized today because I want to be a testimony of God's work in my life. All right. Well, thank you, Paul. We love having you here. We're so thankful that you've come to know Jesus as your Savior. And what a privilege it is for us to see your testimony and following him in obedience and water baptism. So, Hope, I want to Hope, I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. To a lot of us, our next uh, candidate for baptism is no stranger, and so we're glad to have Gail with us, Gail Borden. And uh, you know, I, I love Gail. I was walking by the, the we have the VIPS office, the Volunteers and Pastoral Service, uh, who support us up here. And uh, he uh, let me know that he is going to be baptized. And I said, Wow, you know, right. I thought, that's never happened before, but here he is. Gail, tell us how you've come to this point. All right. Uh, for by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I gave my life to the Lord way back when I was a sophomore in high school, went forward one Sunday night and uh, did that. And in the little church that I was in, they had no follow-up or discipleship going. So I don't know why all these years I've gone without getting baptized, but <laughs> Philippians 
1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so I uh, want to confess before you that <clears throat> I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of mankind, and believing in him I have eternal life. And then with all my heart I believe that after he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead, and he's now at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. And my hope is in eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the beginning of time. Wow, not great. I'll have to give you a pulpit one of these days. You've got a lot of good things to share. We appreciate that. So. Thank you, Gail. So if you want to put your hands on your words, if you want to. No, no. Okay. Gail, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And last of all, we have Yalda. We're so love Yalda and her husband, Mahran. Mahran was baptized here, I think it was about three years ago, I think, something like that. And so at this very service, and so it's been a privilege to have Yalda here as well. Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. Uh, my name is Yalda, and I'm Persian. I'm Persian, and I want to be baptized today uh, because uh, because Jesus commanded that his followers be baptized. I'm here for the declaration of my faith in Jesus and commitment to walk with him. He's my only savior who opened my eyes to the truth. Yes. And in addition, I want to say thank you to all of my brothers and sisters in Christ who helped me to grow in my Right. Uh, surely, you know, we're all better together when we have others that help us grow in our faith. And I've grown to really love both Moran and Yalda, and she has this new little baby boy, John David, and so we're happy for them. And uh, both uh, Moran and Yalda come from Iran and have uh, been uh, out of Iran for a number of years. But uh, what I appreciate of Yalda's family are Muslim. And uh, even this testimony is something that we don't want to get back to their own family uh, because of uh, the reality of the way things are uh, between those who are there and those of us who are here who are followers of Jesus. So it's a great testimony that even as you stand before us, you stand before the Lord, and, and we're so proud of you and the boldness of your faith to express it publicly in this way. So thank you, Yalda. And so, Yalda, let's put this over here. Well, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's give thanks to God. Let's thank the Lord for these who have shared their hearts. This is such a challenge for folks, but what a blessed time to be able to see the heart of those children of God who express their obedience to Him. Let me pray. Help us, Father, as we come before you. Thank you for each of these 
who have testified in their own language and their own way that the, together we are equally followers of Jesus Christ. We're all co-inheritors of your inheritance in that heavenly place. And I thank you, Lord, for each who have testified. Strengthen them. Embolden them. Father, encourage them and guide them as we partner together with them in the ministry you've called us to. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.